Good morning. We are thankful that you have chosen to be here this day. We are thankful for your attendance and the opportunity to join together, see a few faces we've not been able to see in a while, and we're always thankful for that type of opportunity. It is a new year. There is a new chance, as uh, Brother Robert mentioned for us. You all will be credited with perfect attendance so far, and some of you know, some of you may not know, we started kind of checking roll by person. Uh, we've always just counted a number, but over the course of the break and trying to come back and making sure we didn't miss anybody and reaching out to those who weren't here, we did kind of start counting by person, so you'll, you'll get full credit today. It's, an, it's a new year. It's a new chance to be here, and we talked about that last week. It's not everything. And certainly some folks who are joining us online have a, a reason to, to be away for a short time, but we want you to be here. We want to be together. There is an encouragement when we see usually each other's face, maybe half the face right now, but that's, it is what it is. We're glad when you're here. It's a new chance for Christian growth, of course, for us to grow in the Lord, for us to grow individually. We want to grow as a congregation, but it's a chance for us to even grow individually. And of course, it's a chance uh, for shorter sermons. Uh, who am I kidding? I don't think we'll see about that, right? We'll, we'll, we'll work on that as we go along. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So. But we are certainly thankful that you are here. It is a new year. And I don't know about you, but we had the, the traditional meal on uh, Friday. Some of you may have had that. Maybe you ate your black-eyed peas or your cabbage or whatever it is, hog jow, that's supposed to help you in this new year, that's supposed to provide us, of course, with, as we said uh, in, the, in announcements, and it's there on your bulletin, the health and the wealth that so many of us desire good health and to have wealth here upon this earth. You know, it's interesting when we think about health and wealth, a lot of times that is used in the phrases we talk about. You've even heard it maybe from preachers or even in congregations, the health and wealth gospel. And it's oftentimes called the prosperity gospel. The idea behind that, of course, is simply that there is an assurance of divine health, physical health, and prosperity through faith. Another way to say it, of course, is that there is an automatic divine right of all Bible-believing Christians to have a good measure of health and a good measure of wealth. Most of us would say that's not always the case. I look around the room and see many of you who have struggled with health things throughout the years through no fault of your own and certainly in a way no, through no fault of God. Many of us struggle with wealth and go up and down and our income and how much money we have. And so this idea that maybe we are blessed equally is encouraging, like we like that, but it's certainly not the case when we look at the Bible. The prosperity gospel or the health and wealth, wealth gospel has been around for a good number of years. It's sort of credited as being an offshoot of Pentecostalism around post-World War II. And it really took hold in the 80s with the idea of tele-evangelism. And you may recall some of those folks that you would see on TV who would ask you to not only follow God, but ask you for their money. The father of the prosperity gospel is often considered to be Oral Roberts. Many of you know who was able to build a university or establish a university. It's said that at the height of, of Oral Roberts' ministry, that annually they would take in $110 million through all the gifts and the money that they would ask for through the different events and, of course, on television. And, and you know, you see these folks sometimes on television. It gets passed down from time to time. One of Oral Roberts, actually one of Oral Roberts' chauffeurs, chauffeurs who drove him around was Kenneth Copeland. And then he became sort of a prosperity gospel minister, if you will. Many folks know the name Benny Hinn. And then there's the most current one who gives all of us Joel's a bad name, uh, Joel Osteen, that many of you are familiar with that you can catch on TV from time to time. I'll say it again. 
We like the idea of the health and wealth gospel, the prosperity gospel. If I could say to you that you could read your Bible today and every day and read so many verses a day, if I could say to you that if you would be here so many Sundays a year, and we talk about checking attendance, if I could say to you that you could help so many people that that would increase your bank account this much each time, we might like that idea from an earthly perspective. But there are a lot of verses that are misused, and we're going to come to one in just a few moments as we think about the fact that these things aren't true. In fact, as we go through the Bible, not only is the health and wealth gospel or the prosperity gospel not true, but as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, there's a lot of people in the Bible that really wish that it was true, right? But there are a lot of folks that figured out that it wasn't true. If you've got your outline in front of you, we'll look at a couple or a few. Job, what about Job? Job wished it was true, didn't he? We go to Job chapter 1 and we see that he had 7,000 sheep. He had 3,000 camels. He had 500 oxen and 500 female donkeys. And in fact, right there after that list, if you go to Job 1, it says that he was the greatest man of the earth. Many people try to lay claim to that title. They want to be called the greatest. But it says that Job was. So when we think about the health and wealth gospel, it's interesting because Job actually had some of that. But as we know, the rest of the story, really just right there maybe in the same opening in your Bible, it's all taken away from him. And would he not be crying out, hey God, I've been faithful. I'm the greatest. I've been serving you. What happened here? We had a deal. The preacher told me that if I would do so much, if I would be faithful to you, I could have all these things. Where are they now? And so as we think about the health and wealth gospel, it sounds great. But we go all the way back to Job and we see that doesn't seem to be the case in Job's situation. We go forward a little bit, or actually backwards in your Bible, but forward in time with chronologically, and we see Elijah. You think about Elijah who was a man of God, a prophet, a spokesperson for God, going about. I think, I like to think of the prophets sometimes as being just about the closest to God that you can get, you know, in a sense. They were a spokesperson. He, he was giving them the words to use. They were speaking forth those words to the people. When you kind of have a hierarchy, and we know in a sense that doesn't matter, but the prophets, when they were preaching and speaking for God, were probably about as close as you could get in a sense. And yet in 1 Kings chapter 19, and even in other places, Elijah is looking for help. In 1 Kings 19, which by the way, follows 1 Kings 18. Do you remember that? We talked about it last year. Mount Carmel, the great victory that is won. Choose which side you're going to be on and the fire called down and and consuming the sacrifices and the great victory won by Elijah through the power of God. 1 Kings 19, Elijah is saying things like, it's enough, Lord. Stop. Just take my life. And even a little bit later, and as he's sitting there under that tree, a little bit later he says, I am alone. I'm the only one. And for those who struggle, they would say, Elijah, you you want to shake him. What's wrong? You just won this great victory with God. But here is a man of God who's struggling through life or through certain parts of his life, even though he's been faithful and preaching the word and winning these great battles. Sounds great. Sounds great. But it doesn't seem to be the case if you talk to Elijah. He'd say, that's not true. We'll go forward to the New Testament. What about Matthew? You remember in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus calls Matthew those simple words, possibly in red, in your Bible, follow me. They're two short words, but boy are they loaded, because what is Matthew leaving? He's leaving the health and the wealth. Probably one of the richest people in all the world at that time, a tax collector. Not only taking the money and probably earning an income, but taking off the top and sticking some back for himself. He's going to leave that. 
and he's going to go forward, and what, he's, what is he going to do? Probably sleep on the ground, probably fight crowds, possibly be hungry from time to time. We talk about the health and wealth gospel. Matthew says, wait a minute, I didn't get that memo. That's certainly not what I went through. And we know Paul, right? Certainly Paul. We think about um, Philippians chapter 3 where Paul lists his credentials. He goes through the things and says, I could be the top. I have all the credentials. I could get any job I want. I could have as much income as I want. I fit into any group. I can be the man. But then we go, we go backwards actually in our Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And Paul lists the thing there, those things there. And if you've not read them in a while, you can refresh yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the shipwrecks, the beatings, the beatings or stonings and being left for dead on the ground outside the city, the imprisonment. Paul says, I didn't get that message. In fact, when I started serving God, it got worse for me. I didn't have the, the prosperity that I once had. I didn't have the ease of life. I started following God and things got worse. The health and wealth gospel wasn't that way for Paul. Of course, we think about Jesus. We don't have time this morning, and we don't, don't have to because most of us are aware. Jesus knows it's not about the health and the wealth. He has nowhere to lay his head. He suffers so many other things here upon this earth. He's Basically, if they could get their hands on him, they would want to stone him and leave him for dead. They do hang him on a cross. Health and wealth gospel, well, it sounds great. And these preachers that we mentioned just a few moments ago, you can. You can find their sermons online or on your television. And they'll, they'll use these verses. And they're going to talk about some of these things that, that would tell us. Oh, I read that. That sounds awful good. I like that idea. But we've already met five men this morning. And there are lots of others in the Bible. Who whether they had it and lost it. And maybe even got it back. Or whether they had it and then lost it. Or whatever case it may be. They said, I don't know about this health and wealth. Gospel. Where are you guys getting that from? When we think about prosperity in 2021, I may say that wrong later in the lesson. I still can't get it right. It'll take me another couple weeks. But prosperity in 2021, what does that look like? Well, John has a prayer. And if you have your Bible, you can go with me to 3 John, verses 1 through 4. And that's right. It is only, of course, one chapter. But 3 John, verses 1 through 4. John has a prayer for you and for us and for the world this morning. He writes this particular letter, signed, The Elder, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, verse 2, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, there's our words, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. John has a prayer. And it's one of my favorite ones. I preached this lesson or these passages before, probably almost two years ago now. I sometimes sign some of the letters. Maybe you've received one from me before with 3 John verse 2 because I love the sentiment here. And it is a great one as we begin 2021 and we think about having prosperity. But what is John's prayer here? John's prayer is that your health and wealth prosper. I mean, that is what he says, right? Beloved, I pray, not I wish, not I'll help you, but I pray. I pray to God that you may prosper. That you may prosper in all things, we'll call that wealth for the time being, and be in health. So John prays for you, for Gaius, for us, for me, that we would prosper in all things and in health. But we go forward and we realize that what he really says 
is that he prays that your health and wealth would prosper, but only as your soul prospers. I said it a few moments ago, and we'll mention it again. A lot, a lot of us like the idea that it's, a, it's an equality thing. I've came this morning, I'll have some money added to my bank account. I did this this week, I, I read my Bible, my, my account will go up, and that there was some kind of connection. Well, guess what? John says that there might be, in a sense. There could be a connection, but it's only going to be that your soul, or that your health and your wealth look like your soul. That's the prayer. That's the connection. And so that begs a question for us this morning. The question is, if this were said about us, would this be a death sentence for you? We don't like to think about it. I'm not trying to condemn anyone this morning or saying that I have all the answers. But if that was the case, let's, let's, put, let's put the wealth aside for a minute. What about your health? If this morning we had some type of magic at our door and as you walked out the back door and into the lobby and out the back doors, if we would be magically transformed in our body to look like our soul, what would it look like? You're here this morning. I'm thankful for that. I see many Christians whom I know and love and, and maybe most of us would look okay. We would look somewhat healthy. But would we be the biggest and the best? Would we be the strongest? Would we be the weakest? Would we be the frailest? I don't know. But what if, what if this were true, would this be a death sentence for you? Well, that kind of steps on our toes a little bit. That causes us to give something to think about. Do you want to be prosperous in 2021? Then John says it's only going to be, maybe in a sense, as much as your soul prospers. Now, I'll tell you again, I'm sorry to say that it's not exactly in the same way, of course. That just because maybe you get a little stronger doesn't mean that the, the bank account is going to increase. But what a thought, because we oftentimes get it backwards. We oftentimes get it confused. We want to make sure that we're prosperous in our health and wealth here upon this earth. And if we have time, we'll pick up our Bible. If we get off and don't have to work any extra or maybe have an opportunity, if we have time to not go, go do something that will make us a little money, then we'll go to church services. Do we get it backwards? And would this be a death sentence for you? So... Last week I asked you, we said, what are we going to do? We talked about it a little bit, you know. So if that's the case, what are we going to do? What does it take? What does it take then to be prosperous in our soul? Well, in case you don't already know, it tells you right there in the verses. Verse number three and verse number four says that what it takes is to walk in truth. To walk in truth. Do you want to see that your soul prospers? Then it's going to be that you walk in the truth. And so as we think about that, we're going to talk about a few verses in this morning, but we do have a challenge for you this morning, an actual physical challenge that we're going to ask everyone to participate in. And, and Clayton's got, uh, we've got visual aids this morning as well. Come on, this yeah, trade sides with me. What we've got is a challenge. We've got a banner here that we've had made, and we're going to ask you this year to commit to reading the Bible. If you were here Wednesday night, we talked about it in our class. If you weren't, that's all right. You can go back and watch it. But if the soul prospering means that we need to walk in truth, then let's do that. And let's do that together. So here's the challenge, all right? There are 66 books in the Bible, and I'm going to average preacher count, don't... We'll check the preacher math later. 
But there are about 90 people, maybe we'll say. We averaged 120 a couple of years ago, but with the numbers bringing us down and, and visitors and that kind of thing, some of the young children, let's, let's make it 90. We should be able to fill this thing with 6,000 signatures by the end of next year. Every time you read a book, a book of the Bible, and at least one of my children's already read 3 John since it's only, what, 14 verses? Okay, but every time you read the book of the Bible, you sign your name to the banner. 6,000 signatures. Can we do it? I think we can get pretty close. And so when we go through the year, we're going to hang this. We'll ask that you give us about a week or so to get it hung up, to get some pins set beside it. But you can come by and you can sign your name for every book of the Bible you read in 2021. Not only that, but we'll have it hanging up. And for all of you who are watching online, if you come by the building to drop your contribution off or to pick up your communion supplies, come by and sign the banner as you finish a book of the Bible. And so what we have is... As you go through, and as you leave this morning, we put one plan out already on Wednesday night. I've got about four or five other plans that you can take. But that's not it. You can go through and do it digitally. Many of you have an app or a phone that will remind you each day. Like, an, like your Apple Watch that will remind you to breathe or to walk, you know, get up and move. Your watch or your phone will remind you to read your Bible that day. There are scripture writing plans. Hannah's tried to get involved with one of those this year, and you may be interested. You can ask her or find them online where you go through and you write different verses each day and work through a book of the Bible. If you've got better handwriting than me, then that might be something that you're interested in. You can use one of these plans. You can get one of our power for today, the things out there. There's one for each month. Grab one and work your way through it. You might find that you'll make it through the Bible pretty easy. And as you make it through the book, come and please sign one of our banners. We're going to ask you to be careful and respect it. Our children, our young children, ask you not to mess with it or, or you know, deface it there by just writing things on it. But in regards to our children, if you read a book of the Bible, you need to come put your name on it. Everyone. And let's see if this year we can't grow and have our souls prosper by walking in truth. That's what it takes. That's what John says here in 3 John verses 2 through 4. But what about Psalm chapter 1? I thought it was interesting we could read Psalm 1 together because if you've already picked up one of the World Video Bible School reading plans, you should have already read Psalm 1. And so as I was trying to take my turn reading it, I was amazed in thinking about this week's lesson. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But where is his delight? His delight is in the law of the Lord, walking in truth. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does... What does it say, at least in the New King James? Shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You cannot read that and not understand that the way that we attain those things and prosper is in the law of the Lord. It's walking in truth. And the psalmist continues to say that. Psalm 119. Take time and read that one. Psalm 119 and verse 11. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How do we prosper? How do we avoid the sin and prosper? We hide God's word in our heart. We walk in truth. Psalm 119 and verse 105. Thy word. 
is a lamp unto my feet. We watch the news, we get frustrated, and we talk about how dark the world is and everything around us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Again, I would encourage you, if you weren't here Wednesday night or not able to be with us, go back and maybe watch for a minute. We talked about some tips. We talked about some things that might help. But if we want to prosper, it's going to be that, that we walk in the truth. So, can you say, I will walk in truth this year? Well, that's a trick question, by the way. You've already written it, if you're taking your notes there. So, you've already signed your name to it, in a way. I will walk in truth this year. If you filled out your notes, you've already written it. Would you say it in your heart? Would you make that commitment this year to doing it? I don't expect everyone to be the most perfect Bible student by the end of 2021, but what we ask is that we grow. And I think that what John has told us and what the, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what the passage is saying there in 3 John is that, yes, we can prosper. But it is only going to be, in a sense, as much as our soul prospers. And our soul prospers by walking in truth. You know, what really matters the most, because we've talked about this a little bit already, but, but many of us have already set our New Year's resolutions. We've wanted to get better physically. We've wanted to get better financially. We've wanted to get better as a family and individually. We want to be better people. We set these goals. But what matters most is the prosperity of our soul. Our soul is what matters most. As we sang just a few moments ago, our soul has a home, and this ain't it. This is not it. This is not it here upon this earth. That's not where our soul is going to reside. Our soul has a home, and it is going to be, hopefully, in heaven above. That comes from seeing our soul prosper and be able to answer God in the affirmative on the day of judgment. That we have done what we could, that we have been strong in the faith, that we have walked in truth. And so the challenge is, is very simple. We wanted to make it something a little bit physical, something you can touch, something you can do. We want to take this banner and hopefully fill it up with names. Can you imagine 6,000 names as we went through what to put on it, uh, you know, and, and how much, you know, our logo or our name or this or that. We said, well, we've well, we got to make it small so that we can have room for all the names. It's not about just checking that box, and it's not just about signing your name. And once again, that's not just going to put money in your pocket or in your bank account. But what would happen, even as we appreciate Brother Tom praying just a few moments ago, that this would be the best year for the Saudi congregation? It will come by walking in truth. As we conclude our lesson this morning, you can begin your walk in truth, though, only by committing your life unto God and unto Christ, by putting on Christ in baptism. The possibility exists that you're here this morning and you've never done that. We'll be singing this song that's chosen in just a few moments, that you would make that great commitment. You see, we want you to read the Word of God. We also want you to live a faithful life. Those things are connected, but maybe you're here this morning and you've never put on Christ in baptism. We'll be singing to encourage you that maybe you would do that. Make that great commitment. Become a Christian. Allow God to add you to His church. And then you can begin being strengthened. And you can begin strengthening others. But as we usually do, we know that most in the audience probably are already Christians. And yes, it's a time that we take stock of our lives, that we recognize that maybe we've not always been the best. Maybe you're here this morning and you want to recommit. Maybe you're here this morning and there is some type of sin in your life that you want to be sure that, is, that you are forgiven of, some sin separating you from God. 
In just a moment, one of our elders will be coming forward because we want to encourage you. They want to encourage you by praying with you and for you. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with something else and you want the prayers of this congregation to encourage you along the way. The beautiful part of having a banner and having names or being here together is that we don't have to do it alone. We do it with God, the power of God, the strength of Christ, and the strength of our brothers and sisters being here together. It is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity that lies before us. We didn't know a year ago in January of 2020 what the year held. And I'm here to tell you we don't know this morning what the year 2021 will hold for us. We can do our best, though, to walk in truth. That begins by being faithful, either by becoming a Christian or coming back to Him, even now as we stand together and as we sing.